All right, this is Hobby Talk with Dirk Nashti. My name is Keith. I go by Dirk Nashti on Twitter and Discord. I'm a basketball fan, a soccer fan. I enjoy following crypto and kind of dabbling in some NFTs. Uh, and really, I'm just looking for some catharsis. I've got a lot of thoughts I want to get out, and that's that's basically why I'm here, uh, you know, by myself. Um, a little bit more about me. Growing up, I played, you know, basically every organized sport that, that I could. Basketball and hockey were, were probably the most fun, even though I was a terrible hockey player. Um, but outside of the stuff I'm planning on talking about on this podcast, I like to fish. I've got several stocked ponds in my neighborhood that I, that I go to when I get a chance. Uh, my brother-in-law got me into, into one-wheeling. So I, when I get a chance, I like to go float around the neighborhood as well. I watch a lot of TVs and movies, and I'm always up for, for discussing you know, what's on TV or in theaters. And, and there's a lot of good stuff out right now in both. Other than, other than that, I've been in a fantasy football league for over 20 years since high school. Um, that's that's kind of long been my number one hobby. I, I used to even spend like vacation on the beach sort of prepping for my fantasy drafts and everything. But these days I spend you know nearly all of my, my hobby time on sports cards and sports-based NFTs. Uh, I do play basketball once a week with, with my wife's cousins, uh, so that's fun. And really what I'd like to do on this podcast is, uh, you know, I really enjoy like sort of chatting on Discord and, and Twitter. I, I do find myself being a little bit long-winded, uh, especially in the Discord when it's, it's so easy to just, you know, just, just, just start typing. Uh, I, I use Twitter, but, but not so much Instagram, uh, which, which apparently in sports cards is kind of sacrilegious, but, you know, I've, I've got limits. I, I really just wanted a place to sort of get my thoughts out, and I've approached some of my friends about starting, you know, a small podcast for, for the very limited audience of even our, our, you know, high school, like, fantasy football league, and no one, no one really was interested in that, so, so here I am kind of by myself, and, and now I get to expand the things that I, that I get to talk about. Uh, on the podcast, I'm, I'm planning on talking about, you know, the NBA, sports cards, mostly basketball and soccer, but also Top Shot sort of and, and my learning journey into to crypto and, and NFTs. I'm an analyst by trade, and so naturally I'm inclined to be more data focused rather than a, a watch the game bro, but I definitely believe the data helps consolidate like all of the information that's available, you know, into to smaller, like actionable pieces. And as long as you can kind of confirm that with with what you're seeing in the in the watch the game portion of analysis, I, I think uh, I think that's fine. Um, the, the other thing is, you know, time. Like I, I'm just not able to watch all the games anymore. So w- when I do get a chance, I I prefer to kind of dig into the, not prefer. I mean, I would love to I love, would love to watch the game, but I but I do enjoy like kind of digging into the data and seeing what's what's going on, whether that's stats or you know in sports cards like the the sports card market and i'll I'll hopefully in the episodes to come i'll share a lot more about kind of the way i look at things i'm not a big time player really by any means and and really any of those things but i I do enjoy i spend you know quite a bit of time on it maybe sometimes more than i should but uh yeah this this today's episode i will will definitely be more kind of analysis with a data focused like lean 
uh, and I want to talk about basketball cards. And, and specifically, I want to try to narrow in on some modern young players uh, that I can look at buying over the summer, you know, when basketball's not in peak season. And, specific, and I'll, I'll even narrow that down further by looking at rookie guards. <clears throat> so, you know, there's a lot, of, a lot of folks to get through, but I, I went through and kind of checked out everyone uh, that was primarily, you know, sort of played the one or two. Um, sometimes some of these guys are more two, two threes, but, and just, just sort of dug deep into, uh, into their stats and everything. And, and I'd like to share that now. So we'll start with Cade Cunningham, number one pick from Oklahoma state. Uh, interesting little tidbit. He, he was born in and started his career in Arlington, Texas, which was about started his high school career in Arlington, Texas, which is about five miles from where I grew up. Um, Compared to to he he was compared to Jason Tatum and Luca pre pre draft mostly because of his size and playmaking ability, but uh, uh, most like outside observers would say he didn't really live up to the hype. He was the he finished third in rookie of the year, but only got nine out of a hundred first place votes. Of all rookies who played at least half of their team games, their teams games, he finished eleventh in, in box plus minus and second worst in win shares for 48. Got off to a very poor start offensively, though it was worth noting that his, his rebounding numbers and, and even some of his defensive metrics were still pretty strong. Um, he, he showed significant improvement after the All-Star break in terms of total offense as well as offensive efficiency, putting up 23-6-7 on 55% true shooting and 30% usage in March. He also had a positive plus-minus in March, which... On the Pistons is uh, you know an accomplishment, I guess. He 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 doesn't get to the line that often, uh, especially for a big guard. He only had a sixteen percent free throw rate um, compared to a twenty five percent league average. Uh, but he did start doing that in the second half when he when he increased from two and a half free throws per thirty six to almost four. He also needs to improve his his three point shot. Uh, but he was, you know, he was a 40% shooter in his one year in college and an 85% free throw shooter. So I, I, I do think that that, you know, will come. He performs significantly worse in back-to-backs. I thought that was interesting uh, and, and probably shows, you know, him adjusting to the NBA schedule. Uh, he had a slow start on a bag team. He he didn't, you know, he's not really like a, a high flyer or anything. He's, so... It, the amount of like highlight plays you see, you know, sports center plays and everything are relatively low. Um, but season long shooting efficiency was also like kind of well below league average. So someone that's just checking out his stats uh, and not, not really di- diving in would say, you know, he didn't have a great year. Um, but by the way, other players who had below average efficiency, their rookie year include Anthony Edwards, Luca, Trey, De'Aaron Fox, John Morant, Jordan Poole. And Poole was basically the least efficient rookie of, of his entire class. And Darius Garland, who, who wasn't much better, at least not in their rookie years. So there's definitely room for improvement there. And, and that goes for other, other players we'll be talking about today. Um, only 20, 24% of his two-pointers were assisted. Uh, that means 75% or so came from him creating his own offense. Like, I think that's a good sign, especially for the kinds of guys that are likely to have, um, 
you know, a big rise in their in their sports cards and and also just in their, you know, kind of their star in the NBA in general. Uh, he, he does have some pretty interesting company. Now, now, this is a little bit of a cherry pick stat, but it, but it's solid company. So he, he here's a list of players that had a higher usage rate and a higher assist percentage uh, than than did Cade Cunningham this season. So Darius Garland again, Lamelo Ball, Shea Gildas Alexander, Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Jokic, LeBron, John Morant, Trey, Giannis, Luca. So I'm I'm not saying he's there in that same uh, company, but I mean, that, that's good company to keep, I think. Hobby-wise, you know, because he was the first overall pick, his prices are, you know, high, especially relative, relative to most everybody else. Although, you know, he's on a bad team, and but that bad team has a, has a couple young, talented players, and I, I think he showed the tools that he was touted to have. Uh, Hobby-wise, if people start putting the bust label on him, which, I you know, it kind of started a little bit at first. I don't think it, it really ended in that place but you know if if I see a dip uh, in his market you know I, I do think he potentially could be the all NBA caliber player that you would expect from from the number one overall pick and it's not something that you know I think most would say about some of some of the other like kind of sensations I guess of, of the draft class whether that's Josh Giddy or, or Franz or AO or you know some of the other rookies whose stars kind of grew over the season. So again, if I if I get a chance and find find some stuff at a good price, I'll I'll definitely be looking to buy. Um, moving to Jalen Green, <clears throat> he was the number two overall pick with a lot of a lot of bounce and a quick first step, high potential. But again, most would say he also didn't look live up to the hype of his rookie season, and he's primarily been thought of as less of a playmaker and more of a scorer, kind kind of like Zach Levine or or maybe even like a more athletic Bradley Beal. You know, he's a bucket getter with significant areas for gross growth, especially in playmaking and, you know, significant questions about whether he could stay on the court defensively. He got one lone second place vote in rookie of the year voting. That was his only appearance on anyone's ballot. Um, he finished the year pretty much as, as advertised, if not <clears throat> even a little, a little better. In terms of scoring, he he scored 17 points per game, 20 per 36 on near league average efficiency on the worst team in the league. 48% of his shots came from three and 40% came from within 10 feet. So he's got a very Mori, Mori ball game uh, with him with, with you know over 90% of his shots coming near the rim or, or from deep. Uh, he shot 68% at the rim, uh, which is great, but only 25% from floater range uh, and a respectable 34% from three. He he also got off to a very slow start. He shot 37%, 37% in his first 17 games. 16 of those were losses, uh, which kind of culminated in an abysmal January <clears throat> where he scored 13 points per game on 33% shooting and only 24% from three. So really, really rough start for Jalen Green. He did turn it around significantly after the All-Star break, uh, where he averaged 22 points per game on 48% uh, shooting, 39% from deep for a true shooting percentage of, of 59, which is, which is good. He also finished the season with 30-point outings in six of his last seven games. Uh, he did play more of a kind of a true two this year. He only had a 13% assist rate and a 24% a usage rate. 
which was pretty similar to to other players this year, like Lonnie Walker, Desmond Bain, Buddy Heald, Jordan Clarkson, all had you know similar assist rate and usage rate numbers. And and I think most people would say all, almost all of those guys are are pretty much true shooting guards. Um, his advanced defensive metrics weren't too kind. Minus two and two and a half uh, defensive box plus minus. That was second worst in the entire NBA, ahead of only Anthony Simons. And uh, down near other, you know, noted defensive stalwarts like Trey Young, Kobe White, and D'Angelo Russell. Um, and, you know, I'd like to do a player comparison. I'm not sure how well this will go on audio, but, but I want to try it. So I've got, I've got a player that I'm comparing to Jalen Green, rookie season to rookie season. Both were 19-year-olds. Uh, both were 19 as uh, the year that they were rookies. Both were highly drafted, highly touted. And had disappointing slow starts in their in their rookie campaign. So most of these numbers I'll, I'm sharing will be per per thirty six. So <clears throat> player player A had nineteen field goal attempts per game. Jalen Green sixteen, uh, not per game per thirty six on forty two percent shooting. Green forty three percent. Both took eight three pointers a game and both shot thirty three percent or thirty four percent from three. Uh, both had four, you know, just four or just over four free throw attempts per game and shot it at near 80%. Player A uh, had, you know, one one rebound per uh, 36 more, uh, a third of an assist more, and scored two two points more per 36. Uh, he had a, player A also had a, a slightly lower offensive rating, nearly identical uh, offensive box, box plus minus, and you know, nearly identical, identical true shooting, where Jalen Green was fifty-five percent compared to this to this player's fifty-two percent. So, player A, that's Anthony Edwards. Uh, so, in in addition to having nearly identical year-end numbers, they also had eerily similar starts to the rookie season and a, a very strong post All-Star turnaround. Green, like Edwards, uh, has kind of the microwave ability and highlight-worthy athleticism. He can look lost and and small defensively. And where he will need to improve, no doubt. Uh, but in a season where the top two picks were both guards and both overshadowed by wings and bigs, if his prices suppress, especially relative to his classmates, I'm definitely looking to buy to buy, to buy Jalen Green. I, I, I do. I, I think he he does have the kind of star potential sort of needed to blow up if things if things go right. <clears throat> and if they don't, you know, then then he's you know, and he's let's say Zach Levine. I don't I don't think that's a bad consolation either. So there was an, another highly, highly touted and highly drafted guard, Jalen Suggs. He was a fourth overall pick, and, and he had some, some comps to De'Aaron Fox and Jason Kidd. Minnesota's Mr. Football was billed as being a strong guard who can defend, rebound, distribute, and score. The big, the big weakness in his game was his shooting, and that carried over into, into his first year in the NBA as well. In terms of the the kind of one number metrics, there's a lot of evidence that Jalen Jalen Suggs was the most damaging player in the NBA. Among players who scored, who played 48 or more games, he was dead last in value over replacement player, uh, dead last in box plus minus, and dead last in win shares per 48. Uh, for the season, he scored 564 points on 548 pot, uh, shots. For thirty-six, you know, thirty-six percent field goal percentage, uh, it's very, very bad. 
especially for a highly, a high, highly drafted player. He took over a third of his shots from three, where he shot it at a 21% clip. Even less encouraging, unlike Cade or Jalen uh, Green, he didn't improve really in the slightest uh, towards the end of the season. His steal and block rates were, were pretty strong for a rookie guard and was even positive in defensive win shares. So, uh, you know, I guess there's something to, to uh, be happy about. If you're a Suggs guy and want some encouragement, check out his rookie year compared to Jordan Poole's. They're not identical, but but they're pretty close in terms of offensive efficiency. So there definitely is a, a, a chance to turn it around. Uh, he's young and highly drafted uh, enough for, I'm sure some people might consider him a buy low. And his prices, you know, I hadn't, I'll get to the prices at the, at the end, but his prices are, are already pretty low compared to his peers. But he's not, he's not really a guy I'm looking to buy. Josh Giddy was the sixth pick. Uh, 6'8 guard uh, slash wing and he had a few big time games this season mo- mostly with his versatility he, re- he recorded four triple doubles on the season and averaged 14 9 and 7 per 36 so so pretty good numbers uh, from kind of your basic counting stats uh, only three other players in the league uh, had 14 9 and 6 per 36 slashes that was Jokic Doncic and DeJounte Murray so Again, very good counting stats, uh, especially for a, a rookie who most didn't even know, know his name when he came into the league. He, he put up interesting numbers on a bad team. His size and passing ability is pretty unique, but the shooting will need to come around for him to take the next step. He didn't get to the line at all for a player with his usage, he shot, and he only shot 26% from three. He was pretty effective, effective at the rim, and and also pretty, you know, fairly effective from floater range, where he shot forty four percent. His rookie season was cut short to a hip injury, uh, so we didn't really get to see how he improved uh, in the second half of the year. You know, it's definitely possible, uh, or <clears throat> maybe even probable. From a hobby hobby perspective, I, you know, I don't have much confidence that Oklahoma City will be making a push to win anytime soon. Although, you know, I could be definitely wrong about that. They've got like a thousand draft picks. I do think that Josh Giddy has shown that he belongs in the league and his potential, you know, is is very high. But with Australia, you know, being Australian and with with, uh, Australia having a pretty strong NBA card collecting community, I'm, I'm not really buying... Josh Giddy, and maybe even be looking to sell if I if I come across anything good. Uh, you know, his size and playmaking seems to come really naturally. So if he shows any improvement in his jump shot, um, it it might be time to start buying. But he also needs to improve defensively as well. You know, I also I worry that if it doesn't, you know, he he could end up. Uh, a more similar player to Ben, to, to like say Ben Simmons, right? Than 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 uh, you know maybe Luca. Uh, <clears throat> but but he's not uh, you know he's, I don't think he really profiles as the the defender that that Ben is either. So a, a little skeptical on Josh Giddy, although he he is fun to watch. Put up a triple double on my Mavericks, and that was a uh, that was a fun game. Davion Mitchell. Uh, another guard who sh- didn't shoot the three well, and we'll be we'll be seeing lots of lots of guards who didn't shoot the three well uh, here before before the end of this episode. But he's a high energy fan favorite type, 
who performed better, you know, at least on offense in a starting role after after Tyrese Halliburton was dealt away from the Kings. You know, he, Mitchell's fun to like, but offensively, you know, I just I it's hard for for me to see it coming around to to be, you know, sort of an all star level offensive player. Uh, at six one, you know, less than twenty percent of his shots came at the rim, uh, and his final season at Baylor, he shot forty five percent from three, but. In his other three seasons, you know, combining college and pros, he hasn't shot above 32%, you know, in any given season. To boot, he's consistently been a 65% free throw shooter uh, across college and pros. And, you know, I, I think that can sometimes be a signal for potential, you know, shooting improvement. Uh, you know, but 65% is, is uh, signaling the wrong, the wrong direction. You know, you don't have to be an elite three-point shooter as a guard to be, to be collectible in the sports card hobby. Uh, but, you know, I do think you need some offensive skill, uh, at, at least some, some offensive skill significantly above average. And it just doesn't seem like Mitchell really, really has that in his arsenal. So I'm, I'm uh, not looking to buy and, and probably will be selling Davion Mitchell if, <clears throat> if I come across any. And, and I'm just basically going in draft order. So James Booknight was the 11th pick on a fringe playoff team. He was supposed to come in and sort of be a scorer from the jump, but but he had a hard time getting on the court, posting over only 300 minutes, which was by far the fewest of any lottery pick this season. He shot almost 35% from three, which, you know, is fine. But he also shot less than 35% from two, including a paltry 15% from floater range, where he took almost a quarter of a shot. So a quarter of his shots came from three to 10 feet, where he shot only 15% there. So that's quite, quite bad. I, I'm actually kind of mildly intrigued by Booknight. Uh, one, you know, he's going to have a new coach. The, the roster is kind of fun. And I'm sure there will be at least some roster turnover, um, but only at kind of basement prices, which, which he's basically at now. Like no, no one is buying uh, James Booknight. Uh, so it's possible his small sample size just wasn't very representative of his skill set. Uh, but it's also equally likely that, you know, his lack of playing time sort of reflects his fit in the NBA and, and on the Hornets. So I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a very, very cautious buy, but only at absolute bottom, you know, bottom of the barrel prices. Josh Primo, you know, it's kind of a similar story. He didn't shoot well from uh, beyond three feet. So, you know, 20% of his shots came at the rim, but but 80% came away from it, and he, he didn't shoot very well at all. He sort of got lost in the guard forward rotation in San Antonio, where they've got lots of young, sort of switchable guards and forwards. You know, he, he did get a decent amount of playing time, but just not, not very much usage. Uh, he's the youngest player in the league, right? So he'll still be only 19 when the next season starts. So there's definitely time for improve, time to improve, but but I'm passing for now. Chris Duarte was the thir- 13th pick. Uh, is really kind of the first guard we've looked at that, that sort of had kind of near league average shooting on, on the season. He, he kind of played the two uh, primarily in the Pacers offense this year. He, he started 39 of his 55 games uh, and averaged 28 minutes per contest. So, you know, he, he got a lot of run for the Pacers. 37% uh, from three, <clears throat> 45% on long twos. Both, both are encouraging numbers. And, you know, his finishing at the rim was fine. But if he had a shooting, like a weak point in his shooting, it would be a floater range where he also only shot 37%. He's, he's kind of equally able to create his own shot and, and play within the offense. He, you know, he had a solid rookie season. So 17, 5, and 3 per 36. 
I'd like to see, you know, you'd like to see his kind of uh, his assist numbers and assist rate go up. He was 2.7 assists per 36, 11% assist rate. Um, you know, he's also older. He's, he'll be 25 in June. So, you know, I, to me, this, this kind of says that his ceiling isn't like necessarily too high, although he could be, he could be the type of guy who's like a good player, you know, can be a solid rotational player on a good team. Um, and and maybe versatile in terms of being able to fit different systems and and play with different types of players, so I'll, you know I'll watch them with interest, but but I'm really looking for for guys with with higher ceilings. Moses Moody, uh, he, he's really the first player that we're, that I'm talking about today that that was actually drafted by and plays for an actual good team. So not only that, not only are they a good team, they're a title contender. His environment, so you know, his his environment is far more conducive to to winning and productive play than than the other guys we've looked at so far. Uh, but you know, his numbers look pretty good. <clears throat> he he did he did play the second fewest minutes of all lottery picks, but I think that's forgivable given his team environment. Uh, you know, he averaged twelve minutes per game over fifty two. Some some pre-draft commentary that you know that I read like kind of lamented his inability to create his own shot or set up teammates, and he had some some comps that I saw for you know say Glenn Rice and Karis LeVert, so a good shooter potentially a solid three and D kind of guy, uh, but not really someone who's gonna cre- create his own offense. Uh, although I guess LeVert can do that some. His his per thirty six slash is sort of ho hum at fourteen five and and one point four. 1.4 assists per 36 does kind of give credence to the the concern that he's not setting up others, um, especially compared to you know almost one turnover per 36 as well. So 1.4 assists, 0.8 turnovers per 36 is not not all that great. His shooting stats were good though: 57% true shooting. True shooting, he was at or above league average in all shooting categories. Sixty uh, percent of his shots came from three, where he shot thirty-six percent. That's 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 just fine. <clears throat> so I, I'm interested in 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 Moody, especially if he earns a bigger role coming into next year. Uh, and you know we could see a star stars maybe start to rise a little bit, but you know he's got a lot of competition there in Golden State with Steph, Clay, Jordan Poole, Gary Payton. Uh, the second is even, you know, getting cl- closing games in the playoffs. So you know that those there's definitely barriers to getting consistent minutes. He made forty uh, percent. So j- just going back to the setting up his own shot, he made forty forty threes in the NBA this season. One hundred percent of those were assisted, so none of them uh, were kind of created by by his self. Uh, beyond that, seventy percent of his twos were assisted. You know, some of that obviously comes from playing you know a very specific role on a great team. You know, in a system that encourages a lot of ball movement, but you know it didn't didn't see that much to dispel the notion that he's going to struggle to create his own shot. Or or play make from for others. If he does get a lot of run, uh, he's on a team that can roll, and he may be primed for some short term spikes. But you know, I I may be looking for one or two Moses Moody cards this summer just to sell into the first spike that that we see. You know, I think that makes some sense. Although you know, compared to some of his peers, his, his prices are actually like fairly high. And you know, I think a lot of that too is you know right now we we don't have that many cards out. His team is in the playoffs. You know he's getting you know at least some some run in the playoffs as well. Uh, so I'll be interested to see how that how that works out. You know as the playoffs progress and the rotations get even tighter, uh, and then you know into the summer. Then we've got Corey Kispert, 
So he was thought to be kind of the best shooter in the class, or at least one of the, the very best shooters of, of the class. He played most of his minutes. Really, I, I, you know, I think he probably played more of his minutes at the three, um, with Joe Harris being kind of a common a comp that he had. His shot, you know, seemed to look fine, but doesn't really provide any other counting stats. So I, it's not really the kind of guy I'm looking for when I'm looking to make purchases in the offseason. Uh, Trey Mann. So a 6'4 combo guard with sort of, or at least was billed as a, a, a combo guard with NBA scoring ability. He he put up 16.5 points per 36, along with 4.5 boards and 2.5 and assists. So pretty pretty good numbers. He shot 36% from three on good volume. You know, he took seven three-pointers um, per, per 36. Two-thirds of those were assisted. Uh, but what's intriguing is only 20, 29% of his twos were assisted. So <clears throat> some of that is probably the team he's on, right? The the lack of passing and um, and just general like quality around him. But I think it also speaks to his ability to, to create his own shot, which is, you know, for, for the kinds of players that we're looking for, or that I'm looking for at least, uh, especially at the, the kind of guard position, or you really want to see them be able to kind of get their own offense when needed and, and play make for others. Both of those are important. My, my only concern for, for Trey Mann is basically his inability to get to the rim. So only 10% of his shots came from within three feet, uh, where he only sh- and, and he only shot 39% from, from floater range. So because of this, he almost never got to the to the free throw line. He only took 82 free throws in 1,400 minutes. So his 10% assist rate is also slightly concerning. But, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to evaluate that on, on literally the worst shooting team in the NBA. So OKC is concerning. You know, you've got Shea and Giddy and an, another player we'll be talking about in a little bit, kind of taking some of those ball handling duties. Uh, but but Trey Mann is definitely the kind of player that I'm that I'm looking for in the offseason if I can find good deals. You know, I think the potential is there. And uh, and and yeah, if I if I can find something nice, I'll, I'll definitely be looking for it for it. Keon Johnson sort of started to get a lot more run after the after he was traded to Portland from the Clippers. Uh, but, you know, Portland was also actively trying to lose. So I, I don't know what that really says about about. Johnson, maybe not that much, but, you know, he only shot 36% from two, and basically that's that's just not what I'm looking for. Uh, so let's move on. Josh Christopher of the Rockets was 24th pick out of Arizona State. You know, I, I think he's pretty interesting. When, when all is said and done, he put up 16, 5, and 4, and almost two steals per 36 on, on pretty solid efficiency. The three ball, you know, only, only went in at 29.5%. That, that needs to improve. But 52% true shooting, well, 52% true shooting isn't great, but it's not, it's not terrible, terrible for a, you know, a, a late round, a late first round rookie. Uh, and a 17% assist rate, you know, is pretty good, especially compared to, the, to their peers. Uh, he was also very good at getting to the rim where almost half of his shots came from within 10 feet. So that's, that's within three feet and also within 10, which, you know, I'm calling floater range. He shot 65% at the rim and 50% from floater range. So, you know, not only did he get there uh, a lot, he also shot it well. Um, he shot it well from, from close. If he can extend his shooting range, you know, I think I think he's got signs of, of kind of being something. I'm expecting his card prices to, to be very low, uh, and I'll definitely be looking to pick up one or two nice cheap pieces, especially when all these products start coming out, uh, start coming out in, you know, in May and, and beyond. Quentin Grimes shot 38% on almost nine three-point attempts per 36. 
he didn't get to the rim at all, and he never got to the free throw line, and and really rarely created shots for himself or for his teammates. Two assists per thirty six, and the vast majority of his shots were assisted. So I'll I'll be watching, but I'm I'm not really you know looking for Quentin Grimes stuff. Uh, and that kind of leads us to to Bones Highland. So Bones, it was kind of the the actual microwave scorer of the class. He put up nineteen points per thirty six on almost ten three point attempts per per uh, thirty six, and he shot his threes at a thirty seven percent clip. So that's pretty good. It's pretty good shooting. Five rebounds and five assists to go along with that. He was able to to create off the dribble and and on the catch, as well as set up his teammates with a twenty one percent assist rate. So all good offensive numbers, you know, from from Bones. You know, I do think his name, this sounds pretty weird, pretty silly, but, you know, I do think his name, like, is kind of kind of lends itself to having people like him just for that alone, uh, maybe a little bit more than I'd like. But he does seem locked into a role as a scorer off the bench for the Nuggets. And, uh, you know, he seems to be in a great spot uh, for continued or improved scoring heading into next season, especially if, you know, if he, you know, something happens and he gets a chance to to uh to start but I, you know I don't even know if he needs to 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 start to make a name for himself you know on a potential you know playoff team and playing with you know an MVP caliber player in Jokic who's happy to give the ball up so I, I'm definitely looking for his stuff this offseason for sure but I, I'm a little concerned that that, that it's a little uh it might be a little extra hyped um but but he's definitely one of the guys on my buy list Cam Thomas and I'll start hitting these a little faster Cam Thomas, uh, you know, a great, uh, he, well, not great. He was a good scorer coming off the bench for the Nets. His on-off numbers were terrible, but that that probably has a lot more to do with, uh, you know, playing significant minutes and games when, uh, you know, while Kevin Durant rested. He actually shot pretty well from mid-range and long twos, but but it dropped his shooting percentage dropped to only twenty-seven percent from behind the arc. But you know, he's an 83 percent free throw shooter, so I, I do think his shot can be extended. Uh, but it may take a little time. You know, he's on a team that that's expected to be a championship contention again next year, uh, even though they just got swept. <clears throat> and, you know, it seems like he can improve on his 18 minutes a game, you know, playing for a contender. So I, I'm definitely, like, on the lookout for, for a nice Cam Thomas or two. Miles McBride, you know, moving into the second round, our, the first second rounder we're looking at, he played only 372 minutes on the season, but in those minutes... Shot 37% from two, 25% from three for a total field goal percentage of 29.6. Woof. Ayo Dasunmu. Ayo. <laughs> uh, I, you know, I actually sold his, his hoop space for, I think it was like 12 bucks or so when, when it first came out. Uh, you know, he's a fan favorite. He played 27 minutes per game on in 77 games on a team that was at one time the, the best team in the East this year. So he's a fan favorite. You know, he's got energy and hustle. He's a, he's a good defender for for a rookie. Uh, you know, he's a, an efficient scorer, but not someone who's really shown the ability or the inclination to to sort of create his own shot. But, you know, with, with DeMar DeRozan and Levine and, you know, even Kobe White, who's not great, but he's kind of a chucker. And and Vooch on the team, like, I don't think his role is necessarily to be a scorer. Um, but but when he when he did, he did it pretty efficiently. His his on-off numbers weren't actually that great. Uh, you know, 37% of his shots came at the rim, where he, he was a pretty good finisher. 
and uh, you know, shot 38% from three. So, you know, if I can find a good deal, you know, I think he definitely could be one of the easiest flips coming into next season just because of kind of his status, his fan, his fan favorite status, you know, his role on a team that should continue to compete in the East in a big market. So, you know, there, there will definitely be spike opportunities uh, that I'll probably be looking to selling to sell into. I, I don't know. This this is where kind of the watch the game thing uh, would be a, l- a little more helpful. But, you know, I just don't know if he's the kind of player who will become like a star star going forward. But, uh, you know, a lot of people think so. Brandon Boston was once the, the fourth-ranked recruit in his class. You know, he hasn't really shown the ability to shoot from outside, but he does have a willingness to shoot threes uh, off the bounce. It's kind of hard to want to buy into a player who, who didn't really make an impact on a team, you know, that, that could have used his skill set, you know, especially, and, I you know, I say that mostly because, you know, they, they traded for Norman Powell and, and Robert Covington, uh, who do some of the same things, you know, definitely better defensively, but... You know, he, he should, he, he could be like one of the dirt cheap flyers, right? As the 51st first pick in the draft. Uh, I, you know, I, I might, I might, I might check out a couple Brent, a couple nice Brandon Bostons. Aaron Wiggins, our third uh, Thunder rookie guard on the list, spent most of his time at the two. You know, he actually shot the ball pretty well from, from everywhere but downtown. Uh, but didn't provide much else in terms of playmaking with only an 8.5% assist rate and doesn't really seem to do much off the bounce either. You know, the Thunder might be fun to watch soon, but but I'm not really looking to buy any Aaron Wiggins. Then we get to a couple undrafted, or I guess Aaron Wiggins was undrafted as well, but Jose Alvarado, right? Undrafted four-year player at Georgia Tech. You know, he's kind of showed up on the national stage, you know, giving, giving Chris Paul a hard time in the first round of this year's playoffs. You know, he's, he's sort of one of those players where, like, his game is, like, so readily apparent on the court. You know, he's energetic, defensive, sort of spark plug, and, you know, he's a lot of fun to watch. He played 800 minutes this year, uh, and, you know, Willie Green used him often in the second and fourth quarters, you know, as opposing teams were kind of starting to to wear down, which I actually thought was a really interesting way to, to use him. His plus, you know, for, for those interested in plus minus, his plus minus numbers were, were sort of off, off the charts this, this season. Like very, very high, especially for a, for an undrafted, you know, rookie. His 3.1 steals per 36 were first in the NBA among all players with at least 800 minutes. Uh, that's that's a whole steal per 36 more than than kind of noted defensive, you know, steal experts. DeJounte Murray, Chris Paul, and, you know, even his own teammate, Herb Jones. He's, you know, he only shot 29% from three, uh, but 54% of his... Uh, he shot 54% from two, which, you know, for a six-foot guard is pretty good. Uh, th- that number is boosted by taking half of his shots from within 10 feet. And, you know, he shot over 60% at the rim within three feet. Uh, there's a stark difference in his percent of field goal field goals attempted from three and two. So only only 30% of his twos were assisted, but 97% of his threes were assisted. So that, what that tells me is like with the ball in his hands, he's looking to drive. Um, his shot profile is actually fairly similar to fellow Puerto Rican J.J. Barea. So it'll be interesting to see if he's able to maintain his, his kind of efficiency on offense and energy on defense as he earns more minutes um, and spends more more and more time guarding uh, NBA starters. You know, I think he's play, probably a player I'd, I'd rather just enjoy to watch than invest in. Um, but, 
you know, New Orleans seems to seems to be kind of like an up and coming team, and you know, I could definitely see a spike or two coming, you know, if he if he's able to have a couple big moments. So you know, there may be there may be chances to kind of sell into sell into the spike if that's what you're looking for. Austin Reeves, very efficient, uh, but also very very low volume. So he shot seventy five percent at the rim and over fifty six percent kind of all the way out to sixteen feet, uh, which is kind of basically the free throw line. His individual offensive rating was very high, but you know he's reliant more on cuts and catch and shoots. You know he seems to be a good connector and team player, and, and you know there's a spotlight out in LA, uh, so he, he may also have a spike or two in, in the next year or two. Um, but he's, he's not really the kind of player with the with the ceiling that I that I that I want to invest in. Deshaun Nix, you know he was a, a <clears throat> went to the G League. Ignite rather than than play for UCLA is kind of his path to the to the NBA. You know, limited limited action for the Rockets. Uh, his specialty, if you want to call it that, was getting to the rim and getting to the free throw line. His forty five percent free throw rate is significantly higher than the league average of twenty five percent. So I mean, he he got to the free throw line a lot in his limited minutes. Unfortunately, he only shot fifty three percent from the strike, which is very very bad. Uh, you know, he also only shot 27% from three and 25% from floater range. So, you know, he's a big time high school recruit and, you know, some of the, some of the potential may still be there. Um, if he even has any cards, like I, I'm really not looking to pick them up. David Duke was sort of an inefficient scorer in three years at Providence. Uh, he was also inefficient in his one year for the Nets. So he took nearly half of his shots within three feet, uh, where he only shot 50%. I'll, I'll pass on him. Dwayne Washington Jr., uh, Derek Fisher's nephew shot 38% from three, which is good. And, and he took over half of his shots from three. Also good. Uh, well, it's, it's at least good when you shoot third, shoot it at 38%. So I, I'm kind of interested, but I'm not, I'm not really looking to pick anything up of his anytime soon. He also doesn't, doesn't have a, a lot. I don't think he even has any, uh, any, any hoops, like no Donner's lead. Nothing that's out yet. Uh, I don't believe. So in a season where rookie guards sort of took a distant backseat to wings and bigs, you know, I think there's at least some potential in the class and, and especially guys that I want to buy, you know, if their prices start to dip uh, over the summer. So some of the guys I'm buying, you know, Caden, and Jalen Green, you know, totally different games, but both had high sort of displayed their high potential, especially in the second half of the season. I'm looking to buy a bit of both this summer. Trey Mann, Bones Highland. Also looking to buy those. Really kind of looking for more of a, probably a buy and hold. Um, and <clears throat> Ayo Dosunmu, you know, I, I, I might be buying some of his, but I'll, I'll be primarily looking to, to flip. His market is pretty high, uh, which, you know, is, is warranted, but I'm not sure it's like, it's not really in the place that, that, that I want it to be uh, for buy and holds. Relative to the market, I'm down on Davian Mitchell. Uh, really, J Josh Giddy as well. Like I'm probably technically at a hold for for Giddy, but you know if I already mentioned like my my Ben Simmons fear uh, with less defense. Um, so while his promise and prices are like towards the top of his class, I I think I'd primary I'd primarily be looking to to flip him if I had any into something else. And again, you know his his uh, market is kind of boost, boosted by the the international uh, aspect. 
<clears throat> as well. And Chris Duarte. You know, Duarte is a good player. <clears throat> I don't have anything against him, but, you know, I, I'm really not looking to, to buy him from, a, from an upside perspective. There are a few guys that if I can get, at, you know, in the bargain bin, like, I'll definitely take a look at And as far as, you know, flyers go. James Booknight. Uh, you know, I wouldn't even recommend Book Knight, but you know, there's a chance I end up with a few of his, a, a few of his cards this summer. Josh Christopher, Moses Moody, Cam Thomas, Brandon Boston, Jose Alvarado, all those guys I I will consider you know buying if the the price is right. But the price has to be you know very very low for those guys. They're total flyers, <coughs> in my opinion. Maybe Moody a little bit less so, uh, but in terms of kind of big time star potential, you know, I'm I'm skeptical. Also, I'm also sort of watching Josh Primo and Quentin Grimes. Uh, you know, I don't think I'll be buying any, but uh, you know, if they if they start to show some promise, I, you know, I think they I think they have a chance there. So th- that's about it. This ran about forty five minutes. You know, I did I did a, put a lot of work into sort of putting this together, which is stuff I would have done anyway. Um, I hope it was okay. <laughs> I really have no idea what I'm doing. I was re- very very nervous to to get started. Uh, but some of the things I'd like to to talk about, like in in the future, you know, I, I do some similar stuff in, in Top Shot. You know, I like to dig deep on that. Um, <clears throat> also, you know, my buddy and I are looking at uh, a, an NFT project on Solana called VBA. Well, we've more than look at it, you know, we've got a couple packs and and cards and everything. It's a kind of a basketball sim meets NFT uh, thing. So I'll be sharing sharing some thoughts on that. I've also got a spreadsheet for for that that I like to take a look at, and we're sort of collaborating on. Uh, yeah, maybe some just general basketball stuff, and, and so on. But but again, mostly I'm just trying to get some thoughts out that you know this is stuff that I'd be doing anyway. And I just want to want to share it. So I hope you enjoyed it. Thanks for your time, and uh, yeah, we'll talk to you later. All right, I almost forgot. If you if you made it this far, uh, you know, thank you. I. I the thing I almost forgot was, you know, argue, arguably kind of the most important part of all this. So it's it's pretty easy to say like Cade and Jalen Green and, you know, Josh Giddy and, and, and others like have high potential or <clears throat> at least, you know, some potential. But, you know, I'm talking about buying and selling and I, I didn't provide any context on like where their prices actually are. So I, I, I put a couple tables together um, trying to get a feel for just how how their prices compare to one another. So I, I didn't include, you know, any of the the forwards that I didn't talk about um, in the in the episode. <clears throat> so it's really the same list of guys. But what what I did, you know, there's not a lot of sports cards out there for, for these guys quite yet. You know, Donruss is out, Hoops has been out. Um, but I I wanted to find a card that was uh, broadly sold enough to like at least have a few data points for everybody. But also, you know, something a little more than, you know, like a, a, a hoops base, right? Which for, for a lot of the guys I talked about would be a dollar or or less. <clears throat> um, you know, I looked at like Donner's Orange Laser. I'm not a big fan of like the colored parallels that, that have nothing to do with, you know, or just not a match at all for any, you know, anyone's jersey, like pink and, and orange and purple and stuff like that. Um, I tried to look for kind of the, the hollow laser as well, but I didn't see enough sales, uh, for, you know, definitely some for, for the bigger, the bigger guys, right? Cade and Jalen Green and, and Josh Giddy, but not many for the, the more, you know, the lower, lower tier players. So what I did was I, I took the, I took, I took four data points, hoops, silver, uh, out of 199, 
Donner Salites out of $9.99. Uh, and then I also looked at the Panini Blockchain Prism out of seven fifty, and the the. Um, I actually, you know what? I I put that down, but I didn't actually use it in my analysis. I looked at the um, the Panini Blockchain Prism Blue, so slightly more rare. It's out of uh, I think it was four ninety nine, if I'm not mistaken. And then their Top Shot debut. Uh, for most of those guys, it's out of four thousand. A couple had out of twelve thousand, so I, I basically just multiplied their their twelve thousand price by three and a half. So, uh, you know, it, just to get a, a little bit of an extra multiplier there uh, for the the rarity as well. Um, <clears throat> I, I I essentially counted the the physical you know sports card stuff twice. And the the blockchain NFT stuff once, so it's it's weighted twice as much in in the final analysis. And then I normalized it to to like the top being a hundred dollars. So if Cade if Cade was a hundred dollars, right? The the next closest are Jalen Green and Josh Giddy at around sixty sixty dollars each, or sixty percent of Cade's prices. Um, then uh, then you got another group there with like. Ao Jalen Suggs Moses Moody is actually like pretty high. I think I think a lot of that is because I was trying to find more recent stuff, and you know his team is in the playoffs and and playing well. Uh, Jalen Suggs and Bones Highland all <clears throat> all kind of in the twenty to thirty dollar range. Then you've got another group, uh, and, and you know twenty to thirty. Again, I'm comparing basically to Cade. If Cade is a hundred, uh, is by far the highest priced guy in his class. You know, twenty thirty is pretty low. It's you know twenty twenty percent. <clears throat> then you've got another group group kind of in the middle with uh, you know Davion Mitchell, Josh Primo for some reason is is uh, pretty high. Terrence, uh, sorry, Trey Mann, and Chris Duarte, all from really kind of twelve to to sixteen percent of of sort of kids' average pricing, or or twelve to sixteen dollars out of a hundred. And then. Uh, then you you kind of hit the bottom, and a lot of the guys that I was like, you know, have some interest in, like Josh Christopher, Cam Thomas, Brandon Boston, James Booknight. You know, th- these are the guys I said, you know, I'd be interested in. Like total flyers at the bottom uh, are actually at the bottom, so I do think that you know may, there I might be looking for you know more upscale cards, whether it's you know patch autos or or whatever. <clears throat> um, but I did think that was interesting. You know, there's really three guys that are like kind of clear cut top of the class uh, in terms of pricing. That's K, that's Jalen Green, that's Josh Giddy. And then uh another group of kind of your your second tier uh priced rookies, right? AO, Jalen Suggs, Moses Moody, and then your your sort of third tier there with Bones, Davion, Josh Primo, Terrence Mann. <clears throat> so I, I still think that, you know, like even at the top, Cade and Jalen Green are, are guys that uh you can look to buy. It's true that uh kind of by by association, you know, they're, they're sort of going to stay at the top, but, uh, you know, if that was, you know, if that was John Morant in his rookie season or, you know, even Trey, not, not just Luca, but even Trey, like in, in his, I think those, those would be, those differences would be even more, um, more stark. So I'm, I am still looking to, to, to buy those guys, uh, really more for hold than, than, than flip, but yeah. So thanks for sticking around for that for the extra bit and uh, we'll talk to you later.